1: That's stamps.com. Code program. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cross screen
2: certainly is muggy weather and all we need now is the sunshine and we'll be doing fine But cloudy for the rest of the morning. Anyhow, hope we do find you well. It's John Paul McNamara with you on till one o'clock this afternoon on Cork Today, in for Patricia. And Bernie is standing by taking your comments on 1850 103 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 103 And ahead on the programme, we're going to hear uh, how still many people who are housebound are waiting for their vaccines. We did hear this a number of Months ago. And it was a family who were originally from West Cork and they were living in Dublin. Their mother was housebound. She needed a vaccine. In the inns, they hired a private ambulance service. But as they said, they could afford to do that. But not everybody can. And we're going to hear this morning how a woman in her 80s is still waiting. And there's many more out there as well, unfortunately, who do want and require the vaccine. We'll be discussing with Sinn Fein deputy for Cork North Central, Thomas Gould, very shortly on this issue. Also, we're going to hear how. The last year, as we know, has been very tough uh, for everyone. But for family carers, as many support services have stopped over the last while, that meant then the carer was at home running solo. But also outside of that... Uh, the recognition, they felt, was not there for family carers. While the front line was receiving a lot of recognition, a lot of the family carers were working away at home behind the scenes and no one really, really noticed them as their services stopped. They were picking up the slack at home. So we're going to chat with Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland about that this morning. Also, we're going to hear how Lucy Masterson, who is CEO of the Irish Youth Foundation, she's joining us later on the show because she feels there is a generational time bomb ticking with her Regards to mental health in young people and children. And this is very evident uh, because of what has happened over the last year, because of all the restrictions we have faced, because sport and other outlets have been closed to young people. uh, Many now feel that there is going to be a massive issue. And I was reading yesterday afternoon when looking into this item uh, that the institutions that deal with mental health, they now have bed shortages because there's not enough beds in these places. So we're going to discuss that with Lucy, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree there is going to be a huge impact when it comes to mental health in this country not only here uh, but across the world we'll chat about that on the show later we're going to hear why a school in Boherbui is giving you the chance to win a dream house in Killarney Uh, we'll chat with the school in Boherbui on the show and we're going to chat with Astronomy Ireland why? because tomorrow's partial solar eclipse is taking place tomorrow morning we'll hear about that with David Moore and if you'll be out in the garden and it's a time where because of the weather things will start growing wild now in the garden and we'll have gardening advice with Peter Dowdall. Peter will join us after 12.30. So that and more between now and one and your views are welcome or something you wish to raise on the show you can call Bernie 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 86 2103 103 Can I just say a big uh, best of luck and I know at the moment they're within their uh, halls in the school uh, but the majority of Leaving Cert students are sitting the exams at least five subjects as pupils opt for the old. Uh, Route the traditional route, despite the COVID disruption that's going on. Uh, the examination process underway now, and of course, there is the sitting in the exam hall or the accreditor grades also in process for all the students. Nearly forty thousand of the sixty-one thousand entered for the leaving cert have signed up to sit at least those five papers, according to the State Examinations Commission. So, best of luck to all the leaving cert students this morning. Can you remember your leaving cert day and sitting there in the commu- or in the hall? Uh, in your school it kind of everybody I think it just flashes back to you when you hear the word best of luck to the Leaving Cert today on, on setting the exam and can you remember where you were in your school we actually I went to Hammy's Hamilton High School in Bandon and it was the town hall they sat, we sat the uh, Leaving Cert in mainly because I think we and the class blows maybe below that again we were the biggest class they had uh, obviously a population boom around that time or something um, and we and we the class behind us both I think sat at obviously not the same year, uh, in the town hall. Now I think the school has a new hall since then. Uh, so I don't think they're sitting there anymore. And again, it was due to the class sizes. But yeah, it was a town hall. We did our exams. And uh, so I'd like to know where you did your exam. Do you even remember doing your Leaving Cert? What did you feel like on the first morning? And was it within the school? Or, or were you like so many other schools? If there was a big class, you were sent to the local community hall to do the Leaving Cert. Anyhow, uh, your views on the Leaving Cert, your memories even this morning. And a nice story from yesterday. And this is... After 15 months apart it was great to see uh, that two twin sisters for their 90th birthday they got a surprise holiday from their family and this is Margaret Gilna and Kathleen Galligan they were reunited yesterday for the first time since Covid hit and despite all the texting and the calling and the FaceTiming and all of that uh, they were still separated physically and they were overjoyed to be catching up again proper they met at Houston Station in Dublin and it was the first time in over a year that they met in person. Both of them were just overjoyed because they both live even though they're both from and living in Dublin uh, one lives on the south side, one lives on the north side but no matter where they live they could not see each other because they were afraid of catching the uh, Covid disease and because of that their family now gave them a surprise and they're heading to Galway. So the pair hopped on a train in Houston in Dublin and are now uh, spending their week in Galway. So great news and both of them, you might have seen the, the pictures online and on the news last night, both in great form and great to see that and while they're enjoying that we have a lot of people who unfortunately are out sick of work for various reasons. There's now new legislation going to be brought into this country and it's going to give all workers the right to paid sick leave. It'll be brought before the government today and the bill will provide a minimum level of protection to employees who may have no entitlement to company sick pay schemes. Now, A lot of companies are like this whereby if you are sick uh, you won't be paid for your sick day. Maybe it could be on some type of contract as well. Uh, There's a lot of reasoning why this is, but the legislation will express uh, that the employer's current offering, so whatever your current employer is giving, that they can still give better. And if the unions want to get involved, they can also get involved and do better. This basically is just for those companies who are not providing anything. And if there is companies providing stick pay, well, it doesn't really come into play with those companies. But according to government sources, if you were in that situation, uh, this will be phased in the statutory stick pay scheme over the next three to four years. But again, it doesn't I won't stop companies from having their own sick pay scheme or if unions feel the sick pay scheme isn't great or isn't good enough, uh, well then they can implement and get involved as well to make it better for the employee. Uh, that law going through today. And staying with the oroctus well you would have heard, was it about two or three years ago? I think it was about 2018 that they were spent over was it nearly 2 million euros on a new printer. And then when they got the printer they realised it was too big to fish in its intended room. Uh, that was in 2018 and now the houses of the Oireachtas are going to spend over 700,000 euro producing, wait for this printed copies of Bill's acts, order papers and other parliamentary documents for TDs and senators that will take place over the next two years. Uh, They're seeking external contracts at the moment uh, to provide this service. Uh, So that's how the information came out there. And it seems that the successful contractor, they will be required to produce 250 copies of government bills and then another 175 copies of a final version of an amended or passed bill. So a lot of printing there and a lot of money as well taxpayers money being used to print those various bills coming through the doll. you you'd wonder but then that's a cost in that as well if they if everybody had a laptop or a tablet that they could just read it off that but maybe they need to by some law physically print it out as well I'm not too sure but then if I If you mention a tablet, you are also or laptop, there's a cost in that as well. And they'll probably get the top of the range, won't they? And some sad news in terms of wildlife and how many times have we discussed this over the last number of months where people are just taking off their face mask, dumping it on the footpath. Uh, Well, this is having a huge effect on wildlife because the Irish Wildlife Trust, they posted an image yesterday of a puffin and the puffin had become entangled in a face mask and the poor puffin died. And they're beautiful, if you see them uh, in various parts of our coasts, usually along the cliffs, and they put this picture up on Instagram yesterday. And they just want to raise awareness of this and ask people to uh, take seriously the disposal of their face mask. Don't assume that it would just fall in the footpath and blow away. It could also hit something like a bird or a puffin or or, or other marine life. And they're raising the awareness for people just to be careful of disposing of your face masks. And uh, that is one example there of that poor puffin uh, who died because he got entangled in that face mask. And from puffins to love islands, because if you thought Love Island was just a reality TV show and they were all on it to make a name for themselves well they are also on it to make big money because Maura Higgins from Longford was on that show a few years ago she is one of the highest earners from Love Island and wait for this uh, as she puts up something on her social media like a post like we all do but Maura puts up a post and it's to do with a certain brand or a product she can earn up to nearly 9,000 euro for that post she's one of the fourth on the list of high Love Island earners. Uh, Money May, who was in the Love Island villa on the same year as Maura, can make, wait for this, he thought that was good, over €15,000 Euros for just one branded post. So, uh, While well, people laugh and maybe mock sometimes Love Island, they're making money out of it and not the uh, show producers, but the actual contestants. So well done tomorrow Maura from Longford. Uh, Love Island making its way back on the screens uh, this summer as well. ITV have confirmed that. And if you're a Liverpool fan and you have gone to Anfield in the past and you're also a Gaelic Games fan, well, you could be going to Anfield to watch... A GAA match because Anfield is set to go under redevelopment. It's the iconic Liverpool ground. And the next phase of this is to, is going for planning, by the way, at the moment with the Liverpool City Council. But the next phase is that they will allow other sporting events and they have mentioned Gaelic Games as one of those other sporting events. And the reason they're mentioning the GAA is because typically during the football calendar breaks, the club could have a GAA game in the ground. Not too sure uh, what GAA game they would have. Maybe it would be a local one. A lot of local GAA teams in various cities in the UK, as you will be aware. Uh, But there you go. If you thought you were going to Liverpool and Anfield to watch an actual soccer game, you could be going along to watch a GAA match. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. And also uh, we'll have to wait and see regarding restrictions travelling anyhow it might be next year before you get over there uh, your views are welcome 1850-333-103 text or whatsapp 86 2 103, 103 and we had an email in from Derek Derek is in a bit of a dilemma I'll tell you why after simply read at C103 it's Cork today until 1 your views are welcome on 1850-333-103 text or whatsapp 086-2-103-103 or you can always tweet us this morning at C103 Cork good morning to Denny on the text who wants to know when will the vaccine portal for the 35 to 39 age group be opening well Denny uh, the latest we have on that is I would imagine that age group late June early July is when the portal is due to open because under 45s that age group is looking at the stats and the information that I have found anyhow uh, from the CSO it's actually one of the smallest populations we have in this country is the under 45s Uh, there's an older population in this country when you look at the amount of people that are living on the island so it should run faster than it has with the previous population and if you look at the way it's going at the moment they are saying that it will be late June early July when the portal will open for that age group dinny of the 35 to 39 age group and can we help Derek? Derek is in a dilemma and it's a good dilemma in a way uh, because it was Derek's birthday recently, he emailed us uh, yesterday so happy birthday to you Derek and he received as you do for your birthday a of cards from people and some of those cards included scratch cards within them. And on one of those cards he scratched, he won €1,000. So well done, Derek. A nice uh, bonus there for you. But here's his dilemma. He wants to know should I share my winnings with the person that gave me the scratch card because uh, Derek says he feels he wants to and he wants to know should he give 50% so 500 euros to that person, very generous, or should he give something like 200 euros and he's saying can you put it out there JP to your listeners what would listeners suggest uh, on the 1000 euro scratch card, He well, the scratch card that he won 1000 euro on uh, should he give the person winnings and how much should he give, he's been very generous here saying 500 euros or maybe 200 euros but what would you uh, suggest for Derek your ideas are welcome uh, let us know for uh, his dilemma he's in he does want to give something to the person that gave him those scratch cards but how much should he give and he won a thousand euros uh, you can let us know at 1850 333 103 or text or whatsapp 086 2 103 103 on the way we're going to discuss how st- some of those who are housebound are still waiting for their vaccine or today on scene one zero. Three.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 An alternative referral service for GPs to contact the National Ambulance Service to arrange appointments for the housebound has been called for. This is after so many people in their 70s and 80s are still not vaccinated. Cork North Central TD Thomas Gould joins me on this. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning. Are you aware of people in this situation still that are waiting for their vaccine? I know you've spoken about a lady in her 80s who still cannot get access to the vaccine due to her being housebound.
3: Yes, well, I spoke to a couple of people since the issue came up. This was an ongoing issue and then the, the minister and the HSC put a procedure in place so that people who are housebound would be vaccinated. But what happened then with the, with the attack on the HSE's IT system, that all stopped. Though obviously, that's not... The, like, we condemn the attack, and it's not the HSE's fault. But the problem is there are vulnerable people now who are still out there. I know of one man who who's 83 years of age, who's housebound, who didn't get his vaccine. And I know of another lady uh, who's 80, and she hasn't got a vaccine. And uh, I raised it with the minister last week, and there are, uh, my worry is that there are other vulnerable people out there who are housebound. And what I'm looking for is that the HSC would set up a phone line so that they could phone in, or their family members, or their GPs could ring in. Like, there can't be a lot of people out there. But uh, I was talking to a lady, you know, the, the wife of the man who's uh, 83, c three She's had her both vaccines and what they're worried about now is that he's vulnerable and uh, he's, waiting the, he's, he's waiting for the vaccine. And when you have 40 year old people now getting it and you have an 83-year-old man with serious underlying conditions who's housebound, something needs to be done, you know.
2: And is not the fact that HSC know? have just lost all the contact information for those who are housebound? Is that basically it, due to the cyber attack?
3: Yes, because of the cyber attack, no, all this information they don't have access to. And, and listen, that's completely understandable. W- what I was looking to do was to set up a short-term measure just to get these vulnerable people because the lady of the man who's waiting on it was telling me that she was able to go to City Hall and get her injections. And she asked in City Hall about her husband and she was telling the nurse there. And the nurse would would be willing to do it, but she has to be sent out, you know, it has to be coordinated with the HSD. And there was just, no, I mean, the contact with the HSD, I mean, the contact with the minister's office, I, I just worry that no one has forgotten about
2: and that there could be more than one if you were hearing of a few examples there possibly could be people who aren't you know, going to go to the local TD or go public to get or highlight this situation. Uh, the phone line option is a good one. What have the HSC or the Minister said regarding that? I mean are they going to set one up or are they going to set something up so people can basically tell them we're waiting for our vaccine? You
3: no, know, what they said is they're working on it but I understand that the cyber attack has, has frozen all the IT systems so I'm, what I'm looking for them to do is to think outside the box, to, to look at an alternative. So that's what I requested. No, it hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting to see. And the other, you see, the other problem now at the moment is there's no emails. Normally, I would email the HSE or they email me back. All the emails to the HSE have stopped. So what I'm doing is I'm actually ringing them. And last week, I actually sent them a letter. So because because of all the IT systems being shut down, there's a huge problem with communication within the HSC and all the hospitals. And like on on a different note, but it's still a serious people contacting me now in their 70s, our 60s and 70s who've only got the first dose of uh, the vaccine and who who feel that they're still vulnerable because they're waiting for the second dose and because of the a 16-week delay because of the way it was set up. There's a lot of people know who who got one, who got one dose, and who still don't feel safe. That they want to get the second dose, and they want to get that speeded up so that they can go out and be friends and and have, I suppose, enjoy the summer. And get yeah, back to is that
2: not being brought back though to eight weeks? I mean, should that not be sorted within the next month or so? You see
3: heart of the problem with the IT system and the cyber attack and we're in the exact same position here and that's why you feel like a, a helpline where people can ring in the families or their GP could ring in and then uh, like we're going to have to put all tournaments in place and the, the thing about it is like, it's great you now that 40 roads, uh, are, are registering to get the vaccine but like, we have to very, very, I suppose, uh, cautious that there are 60 and 70 and 80-year-old people out there uh, who need to be vaccinated and they must be the priority.
2: And on that, uh, while there is people out there in that situation, Mary says on text, the Red Cross would help or a wheelchair ambulance would help out if that could be arranged. And also, if GPs were given the vaccine, would they not be able to go out to the house if they were given permission by the HSE?
3: Yes, and also I, think I, I know of one nurse who contacted me there over the weekend to say that she would be... And I, think, I know there are there are great volunteers who would be willing to do it, but it has to be coordinated by the see, And that's why I'm looking for this phone line to be set up. And then if they have the phone line, then they can ring, they say, me or you, and say, listen, there's a lady here, there's a gentleman there, will you go and administer sort the of vaccine to him because he's or she... C'est off- off-
2: un and And then they'll know where they are who they are and they can join up everybody because at the moment they don't have the info so with the phone line yeah it will join everything up okay we'll wait and see what happens with that Thomas and let us know uh, what happens if a phone line does get set up so we can give the information out before I let you go there's two issues have come up this morning and one is from yesterday's show and we were discussing the property tax and a lot of people had issue with the property tax and the changes made but the big issue was the fact that those living in rural areas don't see any payback for the property tax the roads are still in disrepair you know, the lights are not working in some county towns. Maybe more so in urban areas of the city. There may be some uh, payback, but n- not totally in other areas. And on that, yesterday when we were discussing, we did mention that Sinn Féin, when it goes to the by election in Dublin, uh, that one of the proposals was to scrap the property tax. But listeners were asking if you do that, then how do you make up the shortfall? You, you
3: see, the reason we are so adamantly against the property tax is. It doesn't take into account ability to pay, so you can have a person who's living in the house, and uh, they could be retired, they could be on a pension, their partner could have died, uh, their family could have all moved away. They might, like a lot of people who might have who might have been uh, who might have been well to do, or who might have had enough money when they were in their when they were in their middle years, and then they get to retirement age and they're being hit with this bill. And the problem then is it doesn't take into account a person's ability to pay. No, our our alternative would be a wealth tax. That would tax people's wealth, a 1% tax on wealth. So if you had a million euros, excluding the family firm and excluding the family business. So put them to one side. If you have a million euros in monies, assets, shares, land, that you'll pay 1%, which is 10,000 euros, right? And because you have a lot of people now who are living, and you, you just said it there yourself, there are people who live in the rural areas who pay in the tax and they're getting absolutely nothing for it. And when you mention land
2: there, is that more or less developers? You wouldn't be hitting the farming community?
3: Yes, yeah, so what we said, it excludes the farmland. Yeah. And it's, and it's the family farm and the family business. So if you have a business, it excludes those. But it, we, we've seen here in Cork City, in Cork County, there are developers with big strands of land that they, they bought and are sitting on trying to make a killing. Mm. Like, these are the people who should be paying the, this type of attack. Like, we know there are developers. We see what happened to vulture funds. And if people ever say, like, what's the difference we should feel and the government? Loan allows loads of developers come in tax-free. They don't pay any tax, actually, right? What PeerSourcing is looking to do is instead of taxing people's family homes, because that's what, that's what the property tax is, is the tax and the family home, what we're looking to tax is the vulture funds, the cuckoo funds, the investment funds who are coming in here, buying up houses and apartments all over the country, and then renting them out at huge prices uh, for people who are struggling to afford them.
2: So you basically would make up the shortfall by taxing those and make them pay for it rather than, than hitting the family home. That's where the shortfall would come from in the end, then? And we, we believe that's a much fairer way of yeah. doing things. OK, and also before I let you go Thomas, uh, something that is in the papers I don't know if you've seen this now or not this morning in the Irish Independent they claim uh, and it's by their political editor Philip Ryan uh, that he's writing saying that Sinn Féin provided party members with fake ID badges and instructions on how to misrepresent themselves as pollsters to survey households before and during elections basically they were giving a training kit on how to uh, go and poll as a company and just to get the lie of the land and how people would vote Ahead of an election, but the members of Sinn Féin were asked to go under the guise of the Irish Market Research Agency, the IMRA, which does not exist, that they had fake. Uh, literature as well from the so-called IMRA. Other political parties have come out and said that they don't do this, that they may have members coming out and what the members would say they're from the other party or they would use the likes of Red Sea. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, do you think that's unfair that if you are going out to the door you should be upfront and honest and say you're from a political party rather than saying you're from a made-up agency? Actually,
3: no, I didn't read that story. I, I, I didn't see that note this morning.
2: Yeah, uh, it's in the Irish was- Independent.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to check that out. i come back on day one. Or
2: and do you know one. if that happens within your yeah. own area?
3: No, no, not that I know but like, we'd often, like, when we were at the door, camping and in the camping, uh and, like, people would talk to him, they'd say, yeah, we're going to give you a number one, or we're going to consider." Mm. you. Some people would say, listen, I won't vote for Sinn Féin, or other people say, I don't, but like, we were going to leave for the top last week, and a lady said to me, she said, I'm um, fed up for politics. And I said, are you OK, and I was trying to talk to the lady and she said, she said, Thomas, I just fed up of all the politics at the moment. And I was trying to engage with her and a lot of people are really frustrated. No, I don't know what happened in that case, but like, I, I've never done it in a but what we've often done is we'd be outdropping leaflets or canvassing and talking to people because, like what we find is people want, the majority of people want to see their public rep or they want to see politicians on the ground. And I suppose just to let people know for the last year, we couldn't do that because of the restrictions. So we are out on the ground now again for the past three
2: weeks. And... And if you do go out, you do say, and most most politicians locally would say, they would say at the front door, they're calling from either Sinn Féin or Fine Gael or whatever. And people, as you say, are up front and they'll go, look, you're a nice guy or whatever. I'm not voting for you. Or they could say the opposite. Yes, I will give you a vote. But this article claims that people are going out. These are, as they describe here on this, is the Sinn Féin activists are going out, claiming to be from this made-up agency.
3: OK. Well, what that sounds like is that they're carrying out a poll. And listen, they may have done that and since,
2: since, since, since yeah. in the past. And I know you have, and you've been very upfront in saying who you are. But do you think maybe the heads in Dublin of Sinn Féin, if this is where it's coming from, do you feel it's wrong that they're claiming to be from an agency and just say, like you do when you're out, and say that you know I'm from Sinn Féin and I am uh, checking out basically the lie of the land ahead of the election, rather than than saying that I am from an agency that does not exist? You're you're basically lying to those on the doorstep. Yeah,
3: yeah I'm surprised that, uh, so what I can do, listen, I can check it out and get more information for you. But like, normally, what I do is I have my leaflet in the hand and I knock to your door. But at the moment, we're just dropping the leaflet because canvassing isn't allowed. But what happens is when you put the leaflet at the door, people
2: come out here and they ask you questions mm. or they just come out and raise your And phone. they know who you are. Yes, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. but the, <laughs> according to this, anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah. go but go according go to go this, on. they don't know because it's a, a made-up agency. So you're saying you're shocked at this revelation that has come out this morning. Well, you're unaware of it happening in Sinn Féin and Cork, anyhow.
3: Well, I know we do carry out polling, uh, and we've constantly carried out polling over the years. though, I thought we, uh, like I, I've never done that. So, but listen, because what you try to do before the election is you will try to get the line length hmm. to see where you are.
2: And they, everybody, all parties do that and I think there's no issue with that but I think the issue here is that you're saying you're from a, a made-up agency yeah. which is shocked to well, you it, this morning. Well, I wouldn't
3: say it's a shock but I, I didn't hear about it. But what you I mean, were unaware
2: of it, so were you?
3: That a lot of the, the big companies and the big parties would pay the, the
2: big polling companies. Yeah, and morning. they do and they play Red Sea and all yeah. those polling companies but, but you, but you were very unaware of this happening within Sinn Féin. This is news to you this morning, basically well what I would
3: say is I didn't know that we that there was people out there what did you
2: say the name of the one uh, they're saying that they're basically members Sinn Féin members saying that they're part of an organisation they're not claiming they are with Sinn Féin though you see they're, they're saying they're working for this Irish market research agency and they're not up okay. front in saying they're from Sinn Féin ok well I didn't know that no I didn't know that so you're unaware that happens because it's going on what you're saying it doesn't happen where you are in Cork but it, maybe it's up the country So and not where you are yeah and
3: like what I would say is we normally carry off polling just to get list, especially now you know yeah. the upcoming by election. Mm. Like we wouldn't be paying red seed because they'd look for thousands. But what we might have is a group of volunteers who might go out and go into an area. They might go to the blackpool shopping centre now or somewhere like that. I'm just assuming and get the the land.
2: But they'd say they were from Sinn Fein though, would they?
3: I don't know. I don't okay. know. I've never dealt with that. So, okay. Um, well, according um, to this,
2: they're saying they're from a made up agency, but we'll wait and see what you find out on that. And that's just coming so. from today's Irish Independent, Thomas. But uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Let us know if they do set up a dedicated line for the HSE regarding those who are awaiting their appointments for housebound and people, well, anyhow. and We'll give that if a if mention.
3: If any of your listeners or family members have any issues, if they want to contact my office in Shandu Street or me personally, we, we, because what we're looking to do is we're trying to sort out anyone who's been missed. Mm. Now, if we don't know just there are people out there, um, they can contact my office, it'll be completely confidential, and what we'll do is do our best to tie them up either
2: with the GP and the HSC OK Thomas uh, thanks for joining us this morning we'll leave it there that is Sinn Féin Cork North Central Deputy G, Thomas Gould our lines are open 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 86 103 103 carers had a tough year a lot of support services were stopped over the last year we'll speak with Family Carers Ireland on the show next Cork
0: today on C 103 call Patricia with your comment 1850
2: 330 103. It's been a tough year for all but family carers have seen services withdrawn and in many cases supports eradicated for their loved ones. Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland joins me. Good morning to you Catherine. Good
4: morning John Hall.
2: And thanks for joining us. I mean it's a job that is around the clock and it was very intensive for carers in the past 12 months wasn't it Catherine?
4: It, it certainly was um, and you know we keep saying everybody has suffered over the last 12, 18 months, everybody in society, but I think for family carers, it has been extremely difficult because quite often the person that they were caring for, whether that's an older person or maybe a young person, the services that the person being cared for were either diminished or in some cases completely eradicated. So whether it was schools closed down or day services maybe for older people, it has meant that most family carers were providing 24-7 around-the-clock care and for them and for the person they're caring for in particular, very difficult because, you know, if it's a young person with an intellectual disability, they couldn't understand why they couldn't go to school, why the bus wasn't picking them up for their day services. So that in turn led to a lot of challenging behaviours. And so that fell back, I suppose, on the family care to deal with that. So, you know, over the last 12 months, we've had so many carers coming to us in crisis, you know, that... They, they couldn't, I suppose, cope or they were finding it difficult to cope with um, those type of behaviours and they didn't have the support of either extended family or service providers like they would have before the COVID-19. So particularly difficult year financially and I think emotionally and mentally for family carers.
2: Our support slowly returning now, Catherine.
4: They they are, but, you know, it is um, a little bit of, like a postcode lottery. Where you live really, again, depends on what has opened up in your area or what services are there for you. Um, and I suppose just when maybe schools were getting back um, for young people, you know, we come to the summer holidays. So now we have the battle around things like July provision for children, um, particularly children either in special schools or with special educational needs. and. Um, you know, a lot of schools are not taking up on that because it's not a uh, compulsory um, support that is there. So it's voluntary for the schools. And, you know, the schools are finding it difficult maybe to get staff. So there's still, I suppose, in some parts of the country, things are very slow opening up. And in other parts, they're a little bit better. But overall, I would say it is slow. um, And while you know, the, the person being cared for, many of them, particularly if they're over 65, will have had a vaccination. We know that there are still thousands of carers under the age of 40 who have not been vaccinated. So for them, there is still that stress um, and anxiety around going out or mixing until they've been vaccinated. So that is another, I suppose, of the pressures that face family carers, the fact they weren't prioritised for vaccinations, they weren't prioritised for testing, um, and so they really have had to cocoon and stay at home and are still staying at home, many of them.
2: And nothing changed on that front. Is that ever going to change in the next number of weeks it's regarding that for family carers now?
4: I, I don't think so. I think that's a shift that unfortunately has sailed despite our absolute best efforts to get family carers recognised. So I suppose now what we're saying is, given that that has happened, I think it has really shone a light on the fact that family carers do not get the recognition or support that they need. And I think there's a real opportunity now for our government to, to look forward and see, OK, how can we really support family carers to ensure that they can continue to care safely for their loved ones and save the state and prop up our health services, which is what they're doing. And carers save the state 20 billion euro every year, yet they were almost forgotten in this pandemic. And we refer to them as the forgotten front line because that's what they are. But I think going forward, there's an opportunity to do something about that. And it really is now incumbent on our government to step up, properly support them, put in place the services in the carers' community, in their home, so that they can continue caring. Because I think the pandemic has shown us how important that care is in the home, um, and we really do need to recognise caring as a really valuable role in our society.
2: And as you mentioned, a tough year it was mentally and physically, financially as well. And tell me about your fundraising appeal uh, that you're running at the moment there with Family Carers Ireland, Catherine. This Pause for Cause, it's a great idea.
4: It is, yeah. So look, it's it's called Pause for a Cause with pause being spelled P-A-W-S. Um, and we're encouraging everybody, family, family carers, everybody in society to get out walking with their dogs if they have them over the next few days. And we're asking people, if they can, to do 24K in seven days over the next week. Now, look, if people can do one 2K, we don't mind as long as they get involved. And they bring the dogs along. If they don't have a dog, that's fine. Bring the cat, the fish, we don't mind. Just get out walking, get out talking. Um, but really importantly to register for our online, which is a walk, um, and they can go onto our website, which is www.familycares.ie. It's just €20, and every penny of that goes back into our crisis fund to support family carers, still through COVID, but also beyond, because post-COVID, we know there are still going to be issues around, I suppose, the mental strain and stress that it has on the family care, but also the person they're caring for. So if people go on, they register for the walk. As I said, it's 20 euro. For an extra five euro, you can get a fabulous bandana for your dog. And you get a few more um, euro, you can get a really nice T-shirt from Family Cares Ireland as well. But for us, it's about raising awareness, but also vital funds to, for us to continue supporting um, family carers who are in crisis. It's pause for a cause. On our website or if you want to, if people are not online, call our free phone care line, which is 1-800-2407-24 and we can get you registered online um, and get people out walking and talking.
2: And no one knows when we all could become family carers so it's one to get involved with for the moment Catherine. Thank you for that and best of luck to all the carers uh, across Ireland at the moment and indeed here in Cork. But thanks for joining us this morning Catherine.
4: Thanks so much John Hall. Thank
2: Thank you Catherine Cox there from Family Carers Ireland and the work they do and also how many carers have we spoke to in the last year who found it so tough as those support services were withdrawn. Some slowly uh, as we know now returning to service here in the Cork area and she touched there on the mental condition of many of the family carers as we emerge from this crisis. We're going to be discussing that after 11 o'clock on how the Irish Youth Foundation are describing that there's going to be a generational time bomb and that it's ticking at the moment with regards to mental health issues in young people and indeed in children. That's ahead. Also a lot of people have ideas for Derek who's in a dilemma who won the €1,000 on a scratch card but does he share the winnings with the person that bought him the scratch card? A lot of comments in and your ideas for Derek we'll bring those to you after 11 to help Derek and your calls and comments in general on the various issues we're discussing this morning Bernie taking those comments on 1850 333 text or whatsapp 862 103 103. lines are open 1850 333 you can text or whatsapp 0862103103. a story I was telling you about earlier this morning and this is regarding people who were just throwing away their face masks on the street and it's affecting wildlife because the Irish wildlife i trust. They shared an image yesterday on Instagram of a puffin who had become entangled in the face mask and died because someone just threw their face mask on the beach or on the street or wherever they get thrown. And a text here says when throwing away masks break the elastic so they can't cause an issue for wildlife says that texter and also a lot of people saying uh, regardless of what people are doing they should be throwing their face masks away in their own bin uh, and not throwing them on the side of a road or a and also on the tax issue we spoke about earlier and we were discussing yesterday, the property tax. A lot of people uh, had views yesterday on the show regarding that and we were speaking to Sinn Féin Cork North Central Deputy Thomas Gould there earlier as well and the point was made because Sinn Féin have said they would scrap that property tax if they uh, ever came into power and if they did they would replace it and they would target as Thomas outlined because we asked them, well what are you going to do for this, make up the shortfall? they target the property developers who have land uh, left lying idle across many parts of Cork is what they said. Well I that, John in says it's the wrong people paying the taxes in this country. And it's a pure Irish thing. We are experts in avoiding tax. Look at so many musicians who are doing this. It's all about avoiding tax in this country. So if that is the case for me, says John in I'm off to the Cayman Islands. And staying with that situation on the people calling to the door and promising this, that and the other thing when it comes to taxes. And this goes back to what is in the Irish independent detail as well. We did ask Thomas Gould about this. Now, he wasn't aware, and this could be a real Dublin story, maybe it does not happen in Cork, because every political party before an election, or, we, or even uh, maybe a, one or two years into government, will have people out and about asking, who would you vote for the next time there is an election? But a lot of people that call to the door, you'll know them as being a Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin or Social Democrats, activists, or a member. And they'll also be up front. And they don't mind if you say, I won't vote for your party, I'll vote for XYZ. They just want to get the lie of the land on how things could look if there was an election. And if people are forthcoming and just nice to them and saying, Look, I know you're from Fianna Fáil or I know you're from Sinn Fein or whatever party, uh, but I'm not going to vote for you, I'm going to vote for the other party. They don't mind. They just want to get the lie of the land. No big issue. That's if everybody is nice on the doorsteps. They can also get various uh, things thrown at them, and that can be expected too because of the way things have gone on over the years in this country. But anyhow, apart from all of that, Uh, The issue here is that Sinn Féin were seemingly going out and they provided party members with fake ID badges and they gave them instructions on how to misrepresent themselves uh, at the households of many people. They were claiming they were from the Irish Market Research Agency, the IMRA, which does not exist. And we did put that to Thomas Gould. Uh, He wasn't aware of this. Uh, He feels that when his own people go out, they do say they're from Sinn Féin. So maybe it's a Dublin story. The big issue here was basically they were saying they were from an agency made up. Uh, No one minds anybody calling to the door from a political party if they're saying who will you vote for next time round. And maybe no one's calling at the moment because of the way things are uh, with the uh, social distancing rules. But when things do return to some normality that will be in play again and you will have political parties coming the main issue here was that they were saying they were from an agency that doesn't exist now there's no I mean he said himself he wasn't aware of this happening in Cork but he's going to check it out to see if it is it could be a real Dublin story it's making today's Irish independent and they're claiming that but Heidi says JP what people want is a government that is true to the people you have a lot said by these people that come to the door no matter what party they are with and when they get your vote or they want your vote uh, then they go away but they go silent. Uh, I think the only TD that Heidi feels has used the, his vote uh, or he used his voice even in her uh, constituency of Cork South West is Deputy Michael Collins because the government are voting in to do what they want for the people whereas Michael is an independent not just see what is good for their own standing so he's not part of a, of a political party is what you're making there Heidi on WhatsApp while Pat has a different view on this Pat says Hi JP uh, regarding that article in the Irish Independent uh, Pat says the Independent and the Star are, are British papers now now the I'm not too sure who owns the Star the Irish Independence it's actually owned by a, I think they're a Belgium uh, media group now that was quite public there uh, when they were sold so they're uh, Belgium or Netherlands group owned the Irish Independent. But whatever, anyhow, Pat's making the point they're not Irish, uh, owns. And he says both those papers, according to Pat, uh, their journalists have been trying to destroy uh, Sinn Féin in the past. So he's not making much of that story. I got a Pat on text oh eight six two one zero three one zero three 103 regarding that story we spoke about earlier with Thomas Gould. And Derek, remember Derek was on to us and Derek was in the dilemma. A very good dilemma may I add I don't think any of us would Mind being in this situation So it was Derek's birthday recently He got a lot of cards from people And a lot of those cards in them Were scratch cards And after scratching a number of them he did scratch one that won him €1,000. So Derek is very happy over this and well done to you. But his dilemma is, does he share his winnings with the person that brought him that scratch card? Because he feels the person that brought him that and that went along to the shop did and bought it for him. He wants to give something back in a way of being nice and all of that. Maybe karma. Anyhow, he wants to know, should he give 50% back, €500 euro, or €200 euro, or €100? He emailed us to ask, what would listeners say? suggest. Well, a lot of people have been in touch, uh, Derek, so hopefully this will be of some help to you. Uh, First of all, Noel says, Hi JP, Derek should buy the person a scratch card and hopefully pass on his good luck, uh, says Noel, while Liam in Charnival says, Tell the person you won 50 euro and then give them 25 euro, says Liam and Charles. you agree with Liam there? Say he won a lesser amount. And Jones says, what I would do is I would give him a 100 euros. Give him that and then an application for prize bonds. Tell him buy some, a great investment, says Joan. And Jonathan is asking, does he really have to tell him that he won anything? John and Cove, similar, who says would he would say nothing at all about winning the €1,000. And nula feels that €100 euros is generous enough uh, to give the person While Monica says, I don't think the person would expect anything, as it was a gift at the end of the day for his birthday, so I don't really think the person would expect anything out of his 1,000 euros, says Monica. Uh, While another texter here says, Derek sounds very generous, but there is no need to give 500 euros. That is way too much. What I would do is give the person about 10 euros worth of scratch cards, just as a gesture, uh, says that texter. While Catherine on WhatsApp says if it was someone close to Derek that gave him the ticket he would probably give them something as a gesture or maybe without even thinking about it give them something Uh, so it sounds like it may not be a family member who gave him the gift you give a ticket as a gift. You don't expect anything in return, says Catherine. So thank you for your WhatsApp, Catherine. A lot of people uh, in two minds not to give anything and then to give something small but not as big as €500 Euros, as Derek was thinking. Maybe he should give 50% of the winnings or maybe something like €200 Euros after winning a €1,000. Uh, your views are welcome. Hopefully there are some answers that might help you, Derek. Uh, any uh, help we can give or ideas for Derek there who finds himself that he's in this the whereby he's won money because it's a gift he feels he should give something back to that person that gave him the scratch cards. let us know uh, text or whatsapp 0862103103 103, or call bernie 1850-333-103 and here's uh, something interesting from patrick who's in glengariff he's with the mobile phone network three and lately he's got a lot of calls from overseas now i don't know if they're scam calls or what but he does not answer these calls but now he has an echo on his phone And his voicemails are coming through a month late. He is wondering, could he have been hacked by some of these overseas callers? He did go into his uh, three shop and they told him the best thing to do is reset his phone. So go back to factory settings, which would totally reset the phone and that would wipe the phone of everything. And if there was any hacking involved, it would be wiped out of the phone. Hopefully you would think anyway. Uh, But he wants to know if others were in this situation before. The echo on the phone thing that does happen from time to time and I always thought when that happened it was something to do with bad reception or you were in an area where the reception was dodgy and it was leading to that echo or maybe it's to do with your handset that could be another reason maybe it does need to be reset I'm not too sure and the voicemails coming in late I, again I would have thought it's something to do with the fact that you're in a bad area but then if you leave the area and go into a good area you would think your voicemails would pop up on your phone and you get a text saying you have a voicemail uh, and maybe you get a text saying you got a missed call from this number so any idea for Patrick how can we help him in the Glengariff area with his phone problems if you were to go back and reset the phone Patrick make sure you've everything backed up you know way on the phone it says back everything up to the cloud if it's an iPhone it goes to the iPad if it's an Android, will usually go to the Gmail driver or cloud system. So just be sure if you are going to back up your phone or going to restore your phone to factory settings, that everything like your contacts, especially your phone numbers, they go back to your Google contacts. If it's Android or your uh, iContacts and iCloud, if it's your iPhone, whatever phone you have. Uh, that could be the way to go but anybody in the know let us know 1850 333 103 shortly we're going to hear and speak with the Irish Youth Foundation they're concerned about mental health issues for young people C103 Jobs and on today's jump spot, we have vacancies for an Arctic truck driver wanted for the Mallow area. Contact 086 832 5300 or email SeamusPharisee at gmail.com. Arundels by the pier and Ahakista require a chef or cook. You can email jobsinfo.com. Arundels and an accounts admin assistant is wanted for maternity cover in Charnival. You can email info at cphltd.ie These jobs and more you'll find online at c103.ie for its last job. A leading youth charity says it's very worried about the effect the pandemic is having on so-called quiet kids. Four in five youth workers believe COVID-19 will have a profound long-term impact on disadvantaged young people in terms of mental health, drop-off in education and engaging in anti-social behaviour. Lucy Masterson is CEO of the Irish Youth Foundation and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Lucy. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. You have said in the past, in the last few weeks, that there is a generational time bomb ticking for young people who face challenges in their lives around now.
5: Yes, indeed. So so the reason why we took on, I suppose, this study over the last 12 months is, you know, we all know that there isn't a child or a young person who hasn't been deeply affected by the pandemic over the last year and a half. And that's widely, widely acknowledged. But what hasn't been acknowledged is the effect of the pandemic on one in five of our children um, who before the pandemic were already living in the most difficult circumstances with the least privilege possible. They've been completely overlooked in the national conversation um, over the last 18 months. And we at the Irish Youth Foundation um, really wanted to get to the heart of what are the lived experiences for these children and young people. So we undertook... Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code
0: LISTEN.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS.
5: Partnership with um, Amoric Research, um, a, a, a series of in-depth interviews, but also a national survey with over 300 youth workers who have uh, who represent over 35,000 children and young people um, in communities right around the country, um, to really find out what the lived experiences for them are. And to be honest, the findings are stark: that unless we take action now. We really are looking at a generation, a generational time bomb. And um, the three core pieces, as you said um, a, a, a few moments ago, are around the concerns around their mental health, around the fallout for their educational prospects, and also the follow-on of falling through the education um, cracks in, in the education system is that their prospects for employment are looking pretty bleak indeed. Um, so, so, so you know, in terms of the youth workers. The mental health issue has been the standout theme throughout the research with nine in 10 youth workers believing it to be the biggest challenge during the pandemic. Um, And and youth workers are telling us that the last 12 months have been extremely difficult for the young people that they support. Um, And nearly the same amount again are predicting um, that there's going to be long term damage for young people in communities right around the country.
2: And you, I mentioned there at the intro about quiet kids and I'm sure the youth workers would be aware of many of these children are not really opening up about how they feel at the moment and this is where more problems could lead down the line because you touched on school closures. Schools were closed for an, a number of months over the last year and a lot of people would have, first of all there's a loss of education but also there's a loss of morale and a loss of mingling with your fellow students and fellow friends.
5: Absolutely. Um, we are particularly concerned about the quiet kids, uh, as you say, the ones who aren't, uh, you know, necessarily high-risk cases who who are red-flagged. Perhaps by state services, these are the children who are just doing what they can do to continue on in school against incredibly difficult circumstances um you know who may be facing bullying or antisocial behavior from others who are dealing with overcrowding in you know or per- homelessness and um, experiencing digital poverty so these children are literally flying under the radar, and it's really crucial that I suppose we as a, as a society understand the knock-on effect that mental health takes on all other aspects of these children's lives. It includes their education and their employment prospects. So so when their mental health is as low as it is, um, we know their resilience levels, their overall sense of motivation, their ambitions for their future, all of these have just regressed and in and in, in some cases depleted entirely. So 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 for these quiet children who are struggling on their own, um, you know, it's it, it really is has been crippling in terms of their self belief and, and ability to overcome adversity and succeed in life. So so they haven't they've been shut out of um, the support services that they used to go to. So these would have been safe spaces to go after school clubs where they'd go after school they'd get a hot meal, they'd have somebody help them with their homework, they'd a place where they could just be a child or a young person for a few hours to get away from um you know the the, the world around them. And um, also you know, because they were locked out of school, the the fallout and the fall through in their education has been really, really significant. And um, and for many of these children, um they've told us through this report that, you know, that one good adult in their life has been taken away. You know, one 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 child living in in, in a in a um in a, a, an apartment or a flat in in Limerick, was telling us that you know her her the place that that she felt least safe was the only place that she could be. So it's 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 very worrying. And for these kids, just trying to struggle by. One girl starting her leaving cert today uh, was telling us that. You know, it's really difficult. She says, you know, I live in a one-bedroom flat with my mum and my dad, my three siblings, and my um, aunt and uncle moved in with us um, because they've been made homeless because they had lost their jobs. So imagine what it's like for, you know, a 17-year-old trying to keep up with her studies, trying to work and and do her studies in that setup and heading off to to do paper one in her English this morning. It really has been a very different lived experience for so many of these young people around the country.
2: Totally very tough on that person and then I have a lot of text in here from people also highlighting and jurors saying you must remember sporting occasions and sporting training was also called off for the last year. A lot of uh, young people would have enjoyed that and that was an escapism for them and also for many children who Lucy are living in homes where there is unfortunately abusive relationships and that could be regarding to drink or drugs as well.
5: Absolutely, and so imagine what it is like when you can't go into school, you can't go to see your youth worker, you can't go to your after school club where quite literally um the place where it is least safe is the only place that you you can be so it's that has an enormous impact on on children and young people and 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 you know when you've got to remember like over the last year, there were forty thousand babies born during the pandemic eight thousand of those would have left the maternity hospital to spend their to, to spend their first night in poverty, homeless accommodation, um, you know, and but this is and, and places where they, they, they simply are, are, are not safe. Um so so, you know, it's a very worrying scenario. However there are solutions, and that's why we wanted to commission this report. That's why we spoke to so many youth workers around the country because you know we can we can address this and um, we can respond to this. There are solutions in communities right around the country, and um, which are often working at very grassroots community level, um, and all we need to do is make sure that we fund them um, and that we can mobilise these youth projects so that once. The children and they are coming out and they are now, you know, we're, we're, we're rebuilding as a society. We're, we're on the road to recovery, but we just need to make sure that we have those safe spaces for those children and young people to go to so that they can, they can also be rebuilt and they can also um, reconnect with all of the services and and safe spaces that they had before this pandemic. And as you mentioned
2: funding there, the one thing I was reading yesterday is, and it's a worry that you're saying, you know, there's a a generation time bomb. Others are saying there's a mental health tsunami coming down the road and there's a lack of places and beds in that sector to deal with this then.
5: This is it. I mean, it's just, you know, the referrals to CAMS, the referrals, the waiting lists uh, for for adolescents uh, um, and, and, you know, children. Um, for mental health services, We're, it, the system is beyond breaking point. However, you know what we do. I suppose at the Irish Youth Foundation is we the money that we raise, and it's, we are in. It's just purely from the generosity of of the public and uh, you know the the business community who who support. Us and we channel that money um, to to the projects that are working on the ground with children and young people in communities right around the country. And so it's so important that we urgently fund more evidence-based mental health and early intervention programs for for young people um, and directly support one-to-one counselling because as children are coming out of this lockdown, they're going to need that one-to-one support, whether it's support to get ready to go back to school, whether it's one-to-one support, dealing with kind of the trauma of of what they have gone through and experienced in the last 12 months, or whether it's just having that one-to-one good adult in your life to just help them with that process of rebuilding their lives, as they, their very young lives as, they come out of the, as we come out of this pandemic.
2: Very true. A lot of people on phone and text this morning agreeing with you. And we do need to look at that now regarding mental health because we are facing big challenges because of what has happened over the last year within our mental health sector. For the moment, uh, Lucy, uh, it's a great report. Well done. And it really highlights what is going on on the ground there across Ireland with our young people. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning thank you so much. That is Lucy Masterson there of the Irish Youth Foundation. On the reality of what is happening on the ground with many of our young people, I see a lot of texts here from those who were involved in sporting organisations and they're saying up front that they can see that happening in young people as it is. I mentioned quiet kids. Uh, Liam says I know a number of what you refer, uh, call quiet kids that are out there and they are the ones that will give it all on a match and will come to training but maybe not as vocal as some others on the pitch are indeed outside the pitch they are the ones I worry about uh, while Joan says that there is so many people in this situation so many young people and while we have children who I will appear brazen or outspoken they are suffering inside I think we are uh, going to be uh, looking out for each other uh, long, long after COVID says Joan on text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. now would you like a house in Killarney? Well, find out how you can for the price of 100 euros. All to do with a school in Boherbui. We'll find out next.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Court today
2: on C one oh three.
0: Call Patricia with your
2: comment. 1850-33103. is many fundraisers going on at the moment, but this one you could become a homeowner in Killarney. Marie Casey is principal of Bohar Bui National School and joins me. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, tell us why is the school doing this type of fundraiser? Pardon? Uh, Why is the school going along and doing this fundraising activity?
6: Right. Um, We got funding from the Department of Education for a much needed um, classroom in our school. Our numbers in our school have increased immensely in the last four years. And um, currently at the minute we have one classroom in the parish hall because we haven't got room for that classroom here in the school. So, um, needs be, we applied to the Department of Education, and um, we're very grateful to get funding for a new classroom, two S.D.N. rooms, and um, uh, other area of a, a disabled toilet and uh, other facilities. But uh, we had applied for a general purpose room. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get enough funding for that. So, therefore, we decided to embark on our own fundraiser to raise funds for this much-needed room.
2: And the room the then school. will will incorporate and bring everybody into that particular room, is it?
6: Yes. Well, yeah. um, in our school at the moment, we have up to 198 pupils and... Um When it's PE day, uh, we only have the playground, we don't have any indoor facilities, so um, there's a great need for such a room as a general purpose room, so the children can use it for PE on a wet day, drama, um, music, dancing, other activities, because at the minute there isn't anywhere where we can all even gather together to celebrate or have an assembly. So there was much needed uh, uh, for this room in the
2: school. And how old is the school? How long is it in operation there?
6: Um, This school, um, the older section of the school is here since 1934, or sorry, 1834, so it's quite an old building, and the new school, new section was built in 1970 when uh, some of the local schools amalgamated and it became a central national school. So there hasn't been any uh, development here in the school in 50 years. So that's a huge uh, time frame. So yeah. um, everything has increased and numbers have increased in the school. And, you know, the needs of the children today, um, you know, for their health and well-being, we, we need more facilities. Now, the GP room is just one of the, f- of the uh, facilities we're fundraising for. Um, we hopefully, um, the fundraiser will bring in enough revenue uh, to upgrade our field we have a fantastic field at the, the rear of the school but unfortunately it's very wet and foggy most of the year and we'd really love to upgrade that and maybe put a little running uh, walking path around it and do you know add more facilities for the children
2: well it's positive you are seeing a growth there in numbers in the school i know some rural schools in other parts of the county well some are booming some aren't so that, that's good news is it just a population growth there are people just going along and moving into the area
6: Yes, we've had quite uh, a few people move from city, from Cork City and other um, urban areas, to in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, we're very lucky to have the housing development in the beaches um, just there in the outskirts of the village. And uh, some people have just decided to move away from the city and move down here to the countryside. Uh, we also have a very successful um, a childcare facility, Educare, in the village. And I, uh, many parents choose to send their children there because they provide a uh, before and after school care So, again, that has helped us, you know, it's increased numbers in our school. People have chosen to come to Warwick National School because of that.
2: And the last year must have been uh, tough for not only you, the teachers, and also the students, because you were operating from home and then in the school you had to bring all the new measures in and and adjust and change to everything. Uh, How are things today in the school and how was the last few months getting ready again to come back?
6: Yeah, it was a tough year in the school, there's no doubt, and for every um, t- uh, school in Dohalo and the principals. But, you know, I think as usual, teachers and principals are very resilient and everybody worked together in the, in the school to provide, um, you know, the best facilities for the children when they come back and make sure everybody was safe uh, in school and, you know, from Speaking to local principals, uh, you know schools are doing really well in our area, and you know it's fantastic to have the children back in school now, where they belong. You know, um, the, the remote learning is not an ideal scenario for anybody, and since the children have come back in school, they're thriving, and um, you know looking forward to their summer holidays now.
2: Very good. Well, as you mentioned there, much needed funds for the school and to go along and raise, you have got yourself a house in Killarney, one of the prime tourist spots. How did you come up with this prize as a way of a fundraiser?
6: Well, um, in January of this year, uh, we've uh, put together a fundraising committee and um, they've been absolutely fantastic, this group of uh, eight people. And now, to be honest, sir, it is a lot of hard work and there was a lot of pre-planning um, prior to this. But there has been a number of fundraisers in the area. So I suppose we had launched ours, but um, now that our local comprehensive school have raised their funds, um, we will be pr- um, promoting ours now uh, more in the coming weeks. And so on. So we, you know, got together and we decided what type of fundraiser we could do. It had to be online due to the pandemic. And uh, we came up with the idea of the house. So, um, you know, we secured funds for that uh, to purchase the house. And then um, what we have to do now is to raise the money for that and, um, you know, through the sale of tickets at um, the house.
2: So you've purchased now, the actual house in Killarney, is it?
6: Yes, it is. Yeah. Number six, Fallon Road. It's in a fantastic location there just off Park Road. Killarney. Um, it's a four-bedroom house in a little cul-de-sac of ten houses. Um, it's in a very quiet area back on to countryside. Um, it's an ideal house for anybody to win and I know Killarney is a prime location. Everybody wants to live there um, in, in such a wonderful town.
2: And it's, as you said, the location is just fantastic. Park Road, you're right near the town, you're in the heart of everything. It's a beautiful area and beautiful views there as well uh, from that area. And they're all new houses. And if someone goes along now, because you can obviously purchase tickets for this to be in the draw, a lot of questions will be coming in here to us. Uh, do you, I presume you have to furnish the house yourself and yes. everything that comes with it. And then when you talk about legal documents, are they also up to yourself to pay the legal fees?
6: Um, no, we, we've paid, and um, that's part of the draw, that oh. the house is worth 355000 it's tax-free, and the legal fees will be paid, you know, you don't know, whoever wins the house won't have to pay any legal fees, so okay. that's a very attractive part it of um, this raffle.
2: That's very, yeah, because I've, I've seen them before, but sometimes legal fees are separate. So that's good. So legal fees are covered, but if you get the house, you have to pick up what you want yourself furnished, such as a, a couch or a bed or whatever. Uh, yes. That comes on, on your own yes. money. Uh, is there a kitchen built in the house?
6: Yes, um, the fully fitted uh, kitchen and uh, wardrobes, uh, fitted wardrobes in all the bedrooms. Um, so it's ready to go apart from putting in your own furniture there.
2: Well, that is fantastic I mean you've everything on offer there just to get the furniture and how can people so go along I mean if you want to see pictures of the houses you have a website as well and people can check out the house yes. there or indeed the area is up on Daft as well. Uh, is there a limit on how many tickets a person can buy? Yes
6: um, no it, you can buy as many tickets as you want we have a limit though there are just 10,000 tickets on sale and you know uh, once they're sold in that you know, the, the draw, there won't be any more tickets available to buy. And um, you can buy as many tickets as you want once you're over 18, 18 and over. Um, there is a stipulation on that. Uh, you know, somebody under 18 can't buy the mm. ticket. And, you know, some people are choosing to share a ticket. And, you know, so two names can go on a ticket. But if in the draw, the first person's name will be called out. And our website is winyourdreamhouseinkillarney.com. And uh, anyone can go in there to check out the details of the house. Now, tickets are also available here from the National School, Boerbui National School, on 029 76141. Our our mobile is 087-444-3780. Tickets are also available in Boerbui Post Office. And a big thank you to uh, Margaret Fitzgerald uh, there for helping us sell the tickets. And also, um, in Super Value, tickets are available as of today.
2: Okay, so plenty of options and ways of getting those tickets and the cost?
6: Uh, 100 euro. Now it's 100 euro well spent because not alone are we raffling the house. We're having um, cash prizes right throughout the coming months leading up to the draw. Um, in On the 25th of June, we're, uh, all the tickets that are sold up to midnight on the 24th of June will be in for a chance to win 10,000 euro. We will be drawing that ticket here in the school at 11 o'clock on the 25th of June, the day of the summer holidays. And then we will be having uh, further draws at the end of July, August, September, October, November for €5,000 each. So it's, it's a fantastic opportunity, it's not alone, to win the cash prize uh, and hopefully somebody will be the winner of the house at the end, worth 355000
2: And the overall grand prize then of the house, when is that draw going to be made again?
6: That's going to be on New Year's Eve on the 31st of December.
2: So you could be kicking off 2022 with a brand mm-hmm. new house in Killarney. How, that would be good. Uh, well, it is, in fairness, you say it's good value. It is good value for that, uh, considering the other prizes. And also that everything is basically in the house with the legal costs just outside the furniture. So it is a, a great, yeah. a great prize. And you're hoping then when you have the, the funds raised and you cover all your costs, that you can go ahead and build this much needed PE area in the school.
6: Yes, indeed. And, you know, again, as many, the more tickets we sell, the more profits we can make in this and the more facilities we can provide for the pupils, um, not just the current pupils in the school, but for future generations, as I said, the last. Um, building works that happened here was in 50 years ago and you know really we, we need more facilities now and uh, more needs for children you know particularly this past year with the pandemic with health and well-being is we take um, we have a great interest in that here in school ensuring that all children get plenty of activity outdoors but again we need indoor facilities also
2: Indeed, and it's great to see the population growth there in your school and also in the area of Bohrbwy. Marie, the very best at luck with it. Uh, there's a lot of interest already, so I'm sure you'll do well with this. And again, it's a great location for a house in the prime area of Clarny. Thanks for joining us this right. morning.
6: Right. Thank you so much,
2: Jean-Paul. Thank you. Marie Casey there, who's principal of Boherbui National School. The website again, winyourdreamhouseinkillarni.com or call the school 02976141. Uh, great. Uh, if you are thinking anyhow of uh, buying a home, well, if you're not in, you can't win. And for 100 euros, uh, no matter what happens, the money will go to a good cause and future the education needs there of those children in Boherbui. Our lines are open. 1850 333 103. Bernie, take in your comments across the show. You can text or WhatsApp at 0862 103 103. Good afternoon to you, John Paul McNamara, with you until one o'clock. Bernie standing by taking your comments on 1850 333 103 or you can text or WhatsApp at 103, 103 Your gardening questions also welcome as Peter Duddle, the Irish gardener, will join us after 12.30. And we got a few calls yesterday in from the Kilmallock area and you would have heard about the rising cases of COVID-19 in Limerick with a further 2 pop-up COVID-19 test centres will open in Limerick this week in response to the recent spike and listeners that were contacting us from the Kilmallock area uh, where it's going to open there is in Fitzgerald Park in Kilmallock that will be a pop-up testing centre it will operate from this Thursday And indeed Friday, between the hours of 11am and 7pm at Fitzgerald Park in Kilmallock. And a partial solar eclipse will take place tomorrow. And with more on this, I'm joined on the line by David Moore of Astronomy Ireland. Good morning or good afternoon at this stage to you, David. Good afternoon. And thanks for joining us. Before we get into what is happening tomorrow, just explain first to us what is a partial solar eclipse?
7: Well, the Moon goes around the Earth every month. There are 12 full-month moons every year, and that's where the word month came from. And the Earth goes around the Sun as well, of course, so the three of us all moving together through space, which makes it quite complicated. And the plane of the Moon's orbit is not exactly the same as the plane of the Earth's orbit around the Sun. So sometimes the Moon goes above the Sun or below the Sun. We've no idea it's happening, no eclipse. But occasionally it will pass in front of the sun. Now, when it passes directly in front of the sun, and by a freak coincidence of nature, the moon is almost exactly the same size as the sun in the sky, uh, it will cause a total eclipse. They're very rare. You see them from a tiny patch of the earth. But of course, from thousands of miles away, you will see the moon clip the edge of the sun. And that's what's going to happen. We call that a partial eclipse. The actual uh, eclipse, main eclipse that happens, goes from Canada across the North Pole down into Russia. We're a few thousand miles away from that. But we will get up to 45% of the sun's diameter covered by the moon. So that'll get rid of over a third of the sunlight. So you'll probably notice it's getting cooler, even though in the morning it should be getting warmer. And maybe if it's a crystal clear blue sky, you might notice it looks a little bit dimmer than normal with a third of the sunlight gone.
2: And when did something like this last occur here?
7: Well, the, the, this one is quite a deep partial eclipse. The last one that was better than this from Ireland. Was in 2015. And the next one that will be better than this is in 2025. So of that 10 year period, this is the best one in during those 10 years. So this is why we're trying to tell everybody book a day's holidays off work. If you're in school, organize an eclipse watch with the teachers. The kids will learn something fascinating. Everyone will enjoy the natural spectacle. And you know, it'll, it'll, there will be another one in in a couple of years' time, but it won't be as deep as this one.
2: And how long will this last tomorrow morning? What time frame should people be looking up towards the skies in a safe manner, of course, but how long will the whole event last?
7: Well, that's the great thing. It's two and nearly two and a half hours from 10 o'clock. Mid-eclipse is around 11. That's when most of the sun is covered. And then ends before 12.30. So even if it's cloudy, keep an eye on the sky. It's the brightest thing in the sky, the sun, so you only need a tiny break in the clouds and you'll witness it. Now, there's lots of different ways of viewing it safely. Don't look at it with your eyes. Definitely don't look at it with binoculars or telescopes. You'll be blinded before you can blink. There are lots of safe ways described in Astronomy Islands magazine for this month. If you didn't get it, you can actually join the club now or buy the magazine online, and they'll email you the eclipse article today so you can read it before the eclipse tomorrow but the simplest method that's described in that is the pinhole method it's a pinhole camera all you do is get a piece of card paper or tin foil, punch a hole in it with a sharp pencil a millimeter or two across and let the sunlight stream through that hole onto a sheet of white paper a few feet away and that will actually focus an image of the sun and you'll see the bite taken out of the sun starting around 10 a small bite increasing until 11 when you got the maximum, and then decreasing as you head towards 12.30. And that's very safe. You can even have your back turned to the sun while you're projecting the image with a pinhole camera, so you can't go wrong. If anyone's listening online in the Dublin area, they can drop into Astronomy On's Office and pick up the Eclipse glasses, which are EU safety certified to be safe to watch the sun for the whole two and a half hours. But it might be a bit late for people to do that. So use the pinhole method. Tell us what you see. Even take pictures of the pinhole camera image and send them into Astronomy Island magazine because we're going to do a big issue next month about it with all the Irish reports.
2: And looking towards tomorrow's forecast, it does look like it will be cloudy. But they also say sunshine will break through at times. So hopefully tomorrow morning in that time period from 10 a.m., we will see some breaks in the cloud that will allow us to see something anyway of that eclipse tomorrow morning. And the best time, as you say, the the most partial that we'll see will be around 11 o'clock. But regardless of if there is a lot of cloud cover, David, we'll still see some significant change in the brightness at that time, I presume.
7: Yeah, I mean, if, if if it was a perfectly clear sky, then you would, I think, definitely notice, because more than a third of the sunlight will be gone, that the surroundings don't look as bright as they do on a normal sunny day. The temperature will almost certainly drop. We've had deeper eclipses where 90% of the sun has gone behind the moon from Ireland. And you had to put your coat on, even in months like August, it got that chilly. So I think people, anyone's got to, especially a digital thermometer, don't leave it in the sun. Keep it in the shade. Just keep an eye on the temperature and send that to us as well. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the temperature will drop with a third of the sunlight gone. That's a huge chunk of the sun heating up the, the earth. So even for our clouds, just keep checking the sky. To be fair to our friends in Eireann, it's very hard to predict cloud cover. It can vary from kilometer to kilometer. So don't believe the weather forecast. Just go out and have a look for yourself because a tiny break is all you need.
2: Yeah, and they are staying there every time you break, so you you might be lucky and hopefully we will be uh, tomorrow morning lucky enough to see this. And what's amazing when I was researching this yesterday is that many of the eclipses over the years, David, they're linked to historic events, aren't they? I'm not sure if tomorrow's one will make any history. You never know. But in the past, (laughs) there was a lot of historic events uh, all linked up to eclipses.
7: There certainly were. And do remind me at the end to tell people we'll be streaming it online and how they can see that tomorrow. But the historical eclipses are amazing. My favorite story goes back uh, to the early Chinese empire when China had lots of solar eclipses because it's such a huge country. One would happen somewhere every few years. And two of the court astronomers failed to predict the total eclipse of the sun. And they were executed by the emperor at the time. So we in astronomy yeah. are very careful to predict the eclipses. We don't want that happening to us. <laughs> that said, the last total eclipse in my research was 1724. And the next one won't be till 2090. Uh, you'll only see it, in fact, from West West Cork and the, the southwest tip of Kerry. Uh, so, if one happens between now and 2090, uh, heads could roll. <laughs> but other eclipses have, have, have had profound effect on the human uh, race. So, you and I might be speaking Greek right now instead of English or Latin, because the Greek Empire fell as a result of admittedly the superstition surrounding eclipses. And so did the Roman Empire. The fall of Constantinople in the 15th century was triggered by an eclipse and the superstitions they had around that. Even the Middle East problem can be traced back to an eclipse that happened in 1917. Even then, the Turks and the Ottoman Empire were still stu- superstitious about it. There's a great story in Lawrence of Arabia. You can read all about that kind of thing Str- magazine, and magazine. You know, we wouldn't be speaking the language we're speaking. I'm sure civilization would be very different if people, if these eclipses hadn't happened.
2: Totally. And even just as you mentioned there, those circumstances, Linda has text sent to say she remembers her grandfather telling her about an eclipse that took place many years ago. But many felt it was the end of the world and that God was punishing people for the bad wars that were going on at that time. So, yeah, many uh, different events were linked to so much in the past that you mentioned there about streaming online. If people wish to view it on your website, how do they do that?
7: Yeah, well, astronomy.ie is all you need to know. Tomorrow morning, the link will be there. And you can watch us streaming it. Hopefully, we'll get some clear skies. The forecast for us, um, we're in the north side of Dublin, our headquarters. The forecast is pretty good, so we hope to at least get glimpses, if not the whole thing. Uh, and you know, when you're on astronomy.a, do follow our social media. That's free. Join the club, it's only a, a euro a week, and you'll get the magazine every month. There's loads more happening every month. It's aimed at the general public. There's going to be a special eclipse issue of the next issue of the magazine. You'll get that eclipse article sent to you today. Uh, by email uh, and so you'll know everything about eclipses and everything else that comes up in the future because we're a group of members of the general public and non-profit organization we want everyone in ireland to join us between social media memberships and email lists there's a hundred thousand us across ireland at the moment and we're all just fascinated by space so hopefully everyone will join and enjoy the stream on astronomy.ie starting at 10 tomorrow
2: hopefully they will and we'll look to the skies tomorrow safely David as well of what is a unique event as you mentioned there uh, over a number of years for the moment thanks for joining us this afternoon that is David Moore there from Astronomy Ireland and again that partial solar eclipse uh, due to start tomorrow morning from around 10 o'clock you should see some difference in brightness anyway uh, when we look to the skies tomorrow from 10 o'clock onwards I'm sure we'll keep you up to date while we're on air here as well on C103 a lot of calls and comments into the programme we'll get to those next The C103
0: Cork Diary.
1: With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do.
2: Lanworth community is currently fundraising to help a local family refurbish their home, which was destroyed by fire last week. If you would like to donate or contribute in any way, you can contact Jason on 086 036 8353. And this week's home bingo books for Kildallery Bingo Group they are now on sale in the usual outlets. Our driving bingo in Kildallery will be held this Friday night, the 11th of June at 8 p.m. in the Creamery, Creamery Yard in Kildallery. And speaking of driving in Bingo. Middleton Drive-In Bingo is at Middleton GAA. It's a change of venue now though. It's in the original GAA grounds in the field at the rear of the Clubhouse and that's going ahead on Friday the 11th of June at 7.30 and Drive-In Bingo also taking place in the community field in Durris. That's going ahead on Sunday the 13th of June at 3 o'clock great prizes all welcome there and Castle Lines, cooler Gown Development will hold a golf classic that's taking place on Friday June 25th at Fermoy Golf Club and if you want bookings and information contact Don on 086 803 Four seven seven one.
0: Record today on
2: C one zero three.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. two
2: one zero three one zero three. We'll be going gardening shortly with Peter Dowdall. But Sheila on text regarding the eclipse says, "I remember the last eclipse it went very dark, and she did notice a drop in temperature." Sheila describes it as being freezing cold during the day when there was an eclipse the last time around. We'll have to wait and see tomorrow what will happen uh, with this eclipse, but it is something unique and extraordinary I suppose to see that daytime when it does happen here and we'll see can we notice the difference in the uh, brightness tomorrow anyhow hopefully a breaking cloud so people can get to see what is happening in the skies and on the scratch card this is Derek who was in a a good dilemma when he got a scratch card as a present for his birthday he won a thousand euros on it he wanted to share his winnings with the person he didn't know should he give 200 euros or 500 euros and a lot of people have given Derek uh, food for thought on what to do with the money across the morning on the show Here's some more First of all Jura says I heard if you give away Your winnings You give away your luck So give something small A scratch card perhaps Says Jura, And a Whatsapper here is Saying I think that person That won the 1000 euro gift From the scratch card Should give what he thinks himself Not what anyone else tells him He should follow his own instinct And not others Says that person Whereas a texter here says What about a nice bottle of whiskey?" or a bottle of wine that is a nice way to say thank you Jim thinks that 50 to 100 euros would be more than generous for Derek and Colette in Kilworth says give the charity part of his win he didn't say if the family was a close member uh, which makes a difference if so and I'd send a thank you card or a scratch card as well then they might win big says Colette in Kilworth we spoke earlier about face masks being disposed and how uh, they were uh, killing wildlife life. Puffin was killed by getting himself tangled in a face mask. Well on this Mary says, Hi JP, just a comment on face masks causing litter everywhere. I feel that disposable masks shouldn't have never been put on sale. It is very easy to make a mask and you can buy a reusable mask for 5 euro and washing it and reusing it in the last for ages, says Mary. And Jim says, I don't think that the people throwing away the masks will go to the bother of breaking the strings. And this is what some I said earlier if you break the strings on the mask, it won't then uh, cause havoc to wildlife. But Jim's saying they're not going to do that. Uh, break the strings of the mask, that is, before throwing it away, because they're not worried about causing the death to that puffin and they have no respect for fellow human beings or the streets or the countryside when dumping their rubbish, says Jim on text to 0862 103 103. We spoke earlier there regarding the property tax which came up in the show yesterday and when we spoke to Cork North Central Deputy Sinn Féin's uh, Thomas Gould on how Sinn Féin would not use property tax, They would scrap it and go after developers who have land lying idle. That's how they would make up the shortfall. And a lot of people had views on that. Some people agreed with them. Others had mixed views. But Isha is in Douglas and Isha says she's quite happy to pay her water charges and property tax. It is not much per week but Sinn Féin are against all these payments. They expect everyone to live on welfare. Sinn Féin want to tax the multinationals who are providing so many jobs for the Cork people The government don't produce jobs It is the multinationals coming in here To make jobs for the people Are Sinn Féin going to provide jobs for the people When they run the multinationals Out of the country We need to hear what the policies actually are They have never come out And told everyone their policies uh, Ita feels they will destroy the country That's her view On the phones earlier to 1850 333103 and a person asking about the postal network, if anybody can help out with this, because this person has someone who is living in Australia and New Zealand, and they're asking, has anybody found a cheap way to post to both Australia and New Zealand? As I have been to one post, and the rates for both countries have almost doubled for two kgs. Rates have gone up for all international, Bush, in particular, Australia and New Zealand are the dearest, I think are on post maybe make an advantage because there's so many Irish living out there Uh, but this person feels the increase is ridiculous so is there any other way around that by not using on post and using another service have you used another service that is cheaper to post items large items to Australia and New Zealand and you would have heard there on news earlier with Barry that the IFA has confirmed plans for its nationwide day of action that's going to be taking place this Friday and this is regarding the issues on cap reform the climate Action Bill and the importance of farming to local communities and businesses. They are having rallies. They're planned in Cork. They'll take place in Bandon, Skibbereen, in Middleton, in Kanturk, in Mitchellstown. And we'll be doing more on this tomorrow on why they're holding these protests, on the concern regarding the cap reform and the Climate Action Bill, and how some farmers have told us over the last number of weeks that they feel they're being forced out of farming uh, and they feel it's wrong that in. In years to come we in Ireland will look back at this and realise we've made a huge mistake something we are doing now in many sectors when it comes to the sugar industry uh, that they closed a number of years ago anyhow on this Mary says I feel it's careless of the IFA to be encouraging these protests when we are still in the grips of a pandemic only little over 50% of the population, Mary says, have got one or two jabs. How will they organise this? I hope the Organising Committee ensures social distancing at these events on Friday, says Mary on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103 103. And that issue we will return to on the show tomorrow and discuss the issues on why uh, the IFA is confirming its nationwide day of action on Friday. We'll discuss that on the show tomorrow. And we say good afternoon to Peter The Irish Gardener Hi Peter Good afternoon John Paul How are you? I'm fine, how are you? Could I start with a quick rant? You can rant, go on (laughs) I was just listening to you talking
8: about the disposable masks and I have to point out the very obvious and it's not the disposable masks that are causing the litter it's the humans but anyway that's my rant over
2: (laughs) that is true that is true and I think Jim made a good point when the puffins were that poor puffin that died because he got entangled in the mask as Jim was saying the people that threw that down weren't really worried about the puffin if they're not worried about humanity they're not worried about the puffin but yeah rubbish unfortunately it's a big issue at the moment and and it always has been it's,
8: it's like the people that you know giving out about the rubbish on the beach well what has ever gone wrong with individual responsibility take it home with you it seems that yeah
2: It's a good point and I think individual responsibility has gone missing over the last, it was never really there sometimes a lot of people would say over the last number of years but in the last year personal responsibility uh, you'd have to question it exactly. Anyhow uh, let's move on to gardening questions you'll get in less trouble Peter with the gardening than you will (laughs) on dealing with those situations. That's controversial, that's controversial. controversial. (laughs) So we'll start off with Anne from Bantry. Now this could be controversial if you didn't look at the photo I sent you because (laughs) Anne sent in a photo of her roses. You got those I hope Peter. The, from Ann and Bantry. Of,
8: I saw the photograph of the dahlia. Yes, sorry, no, John Paul. Maybe I've got the wrong one. So there's sorry. another
2: photo there from Ann and Bantry. I'll read a question as you're searching yeah. for that. She sent in a beautiful pics of her roses, and they're starting off again, but they're starting off to grow very, very poor, that Now, it's the same every year. And as they start to bud, it looks like Ann thinks something might be eating them. She's wondering could it be the soil? And all the daffodils did not come up this year. Three to four years ago, topsoil was applied on the whole garden. Uh, should the whole garden be dug up or what would you advise Anne, uh, says um, Anne in Bantry. thanking you, Peter.
8: Okay, looking at the roses first, John Paul, and I do see the photographs there, thanks. Um, it, it's fungal, it's a fungal problem and it's, black, it's rose black spot. Now they could be getting eaten by some green fly or something as well but the overriding problem there is rose black spot. Now, uh, hers are showing classic symptoms, obviously there's quite a lot of black spots but what People may not realise is that black spot very often manifests itself, believe it or not, in yellowing of the leaves. So you'll see in these photographs is yellow and black. So it's classic black spot, and the overall plant is looking very, very weak and spindly. So what what Anne needs to do here is prune off uh, a lot of the infected growth and make sure that you're not leaving any any leaves or stems with the black spot down on the soil around the base of the rose, because that'll just spread the problem back into the soil. So what you need to do is prune off as much of the infected growth as possible. Um, and obviously, we're all experts on disease control at the moment for obvious reasons, but it's very it, that's very uh, applicable in the garden. So in other words, if you're pruning a diseased rose, make sure you clean and sterilize that secateurs before you go to another rose because you'll just spread it, okay? So uh, prune off the infected goat, keep it clean, hygiene is the order of the day, and then drench it with the copper sulfate mixed with water which is a, a good broad-spectrum fungicide. No, I would only recommend using it once a year. Uh, so so just just make sure you're putting it at the right time. Now, in this instance, I would certainly use it straight away after pruning. Um, And then feed the rose. Feed it with something to drive it on and make it more resistant. Something like the Gouldings liquid rose food I find very, very good. It's an Irish brand. Use that to feed them. Uh, and then it, it, prevention is always better than cure when it comes to any of these fungal problems, John Paul. So ideally, I would have put the, the copper sulfate on a bit earlier, put it on earlier in the year, say during April, before when it's too early for black spot to get a hold. But in this situation, uh, when the black spot is there, now remove as much as possible, drench it with the copper sulfate and feed it with the Goulding's roast food.
2: OK hopefully that does help Anne there and another picture Peter that came in to us I sent this on as well and this person says this flower and the picture of a flower which has more or less purple uh, flowers on it uh, it has come to an end do I let the seeds ripen in leaves or do I just cut it down now asks this person on WhatsApp and again that a picture I sent on to you Peter the flowers are purple at the top
8: I've like got to have a look for that one now as well just one second, example. hopefully badly prepared um,
2: <laughs> this is the controversial bit, honestly. Uh,
8: <laughs> yeah, I see it there. No, that's honesty. Actually, lunaria, beautiful, beautiful flower, the real old cottage garden plant. So, honesty is actually going from memory. It's an annual, but those those kind of flat, they nearly look like coins, don't they? The flat seed pods. But the, sorry, there are. I know there are perennial forms of honesty, but normally what we grow is uh, the lunaria is the annual form. But those seeds will come very very easily so those what they look like little coins and say you can see the seeds stuck in the middle um uh, let them dry let them turn to nearly paper and then there's a fine so you need them to write them but there's a fine line you don't want them to blow away in there the birds to get them so when they've kind of turned to paper very very crisp they're too green at the moment then collect the seeds and you can plant them out next spring or even this autumn you could start them in seed trays for flowering next year okay so, so that's what i would do there Don't cut them back, let the seeds ripen and then you'll have your your honesty for next year as well. Now, of course, you could just let the wind disperse them and they'll come up all over the garden, which would be lovely as well. Uh, so, So that's that one.
2: Okay, and another picture, Peter, we're going to be off the walls today with pictures. Uh, this is Sarah. You mentioned this earlier, the alias, where the leaf meets the stem is turning black and then it's breaking off. Um, she wants to know what advice you can give her on this regarding, uh, or what indeed in advice can you give her regarding the situation she's finding herself in in the garden. Or is there any even a remedy for this?
8: Well, it's quite similar to the roses in that it's fungal infection. And in fact, going back a step there, the... the, the, the was it Anne who had the question with the road? she was also asking about the daffodils that didn't come to anything uh, if you remember and should she take up the lawn and start again that's kind of a hard one to answer the daffodils that they were planted a few years ago if they can become blind so what I would do is lift them uh, lift them now really and divide them and plant them out again in the autumn in, in terms of wood she need to take up if she put fresh topsoil down a few years ago that should be fine uh, in terms of the lawn you'd, you'd nearly need more information as to, to what's happening with the lawn to, to give correct advice on that Uh, But anyway, with the dahlia, the fungal, it's it's just quite simply called dahlia stem rot, and it is a fungal infection again, but instead of rushing to treat it with the copper sulfate or anything like that, you've got to look at what's causing it. The dahlias will get this stem rot if they're they're growing in ground. It's always with... with, with any infection in the garden, you always look at kind of cultural control first, John Paul, and that's what I mean by that is making sure that something is growing in the right right conditions and maybe pruning, pruning off infected growth and things like that. Now with roses, you can do that; you can prune off the infected growth, and the plant will come on. But with something like a which is herbaceous, which I'm sure you knew, John Paul, uh, with with that, if you prune off the infected growth, you're removing the entire plant, so you can't, it's not really applicable advice here. But that stem rot is a fungal infection, and if you don't get on top of it, it will just spread underground into the tuber and kill the whole plant. So really, as I say, you need to look at what's causing it, and it, what's causing it is the growing conditions. It, 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 if it's in poorly drained soil, if it's in kind of heavy clay soil that, that's holding water, and by God, we're getting a lot of rain this year, uh, well, they're the conditions that it does, that the dahlia doesn't like, and that the, the fungus loves. So in the first instance, I would take it out of the soil there's nothing to treat it with at the moment except to remove the infected growth. You, you, sorry, let me rephrase that. You have to uh, remove the infected growth. There's nothing will make the infected growth uh, improve. So remove the infected growth, which may be the entire stem, and then again back to the copper sulfate, drench the tuber with that. Um, it will if you provided you then put it into the correct growing conditions, which is a, a much more free draining, open kind of a peaty composty, humus rich soil, uh, then. Uh, providing the, the, the infection hasn't got too much of a hold in the tuber, uh, I think it should come good again. It's not too good
2: again this year. Okay, hopefully, uh, hopefully that does help Sarah there and on email as well, Susan, and she says I have a lot of white fly on indoor strawberries. Is there any way to rescue the crop? I have had strawberries for years, but I've never had this problem and I don't want them to spread to my tomatoes. Uh, yes,
8: yeah. The, well, there are... You said it's inside, didn't you? A, they're, inside, a, yeah,
2: they're inside, yeah. They're inside strawberries, yeah. yeah.
8: So there is biological control you can get. Now, what I mean by biological control is you can introduce a, a parasitic insect to feed on the white side. So You're not using any chemicals. You're just introducing a parasitic, in this case, from memory. I think it's a microscopic wasp as opposed to a nematode. And again, from memory, but you'd want to double-check this. I think the name of the, this one is Encarcia formosa. I think is the one that you would use. But it, you know what, If you Google biological control for gas house or greenhouse whitefly, it will come up, um, and that's you, you. get that it's like a it, it looks like a little packet of powder, but it's they a live they're living organisms, and you introduce them, and they'll feed on the whitefly. But they're they're only really effective indoors because they need to have that warmth that indoors gives them. They won't be that effective outdoors. Uh, that's one very effective way of dealing with this. What other the other things you, I would suggest are you have the grazers. Grazers do a great range of products. They're they're all based on calcium. So again, you're not introducing any insecticide into the mix, which is essential because these are edible plants. So you can't be putting any any insecticides on it. So if you if you start spraying them with grazers and actually spray the tomatoes with the grazers as well, because grazers is based on calcium and, and tomatoes in particular will benefit from that uh, because it will help other nutrients come up the belongs long stem of the tomato. So. Grazers do a range of of different products, all based on calcium, but the one you're looking for here is grazers for cabbage, whitefly, and caterpillars. Now, it doesn't mention whitefly, but I know it's very effective for all aphids, and whitefly is a type of aphid. So either introduce the biological control or get yourself some some grazers for for cabbage, whitefly, and caterpillars and put that on, and either one of them
7: should work.
2: OK, hopefully we can help John and Mallow because John has a new ten foot wall he built at the end of his garden. Now, this wall faces north, uh, but he wants to know, Peter, what would you recommend to grow up against this wall?
8: If you want a climbing plant for a north-facing, shady wall, the, the best of all of them is the climbing hydrangea. Now, it ticks a lot of the boxes, John Paul, because, uh, number one, in terms of aspect, it will grow in heavy, heavy shade. But, number two, it's self-clinging. So, in other words, it sends out these, you know, these tiny little sucker pads to... So the, cling to the wall itself you, you won't need to put up trellis or wire or anything like that okay so it's a, it's a great one now it's relatively slow growing which I suppose is a disadvantage at the start becomes an advantage in time what I mean by that is if you get a quick growing climber like a, the big leaf ivies for example they're also self-clinging and they'll also do one on a north face of the wall they're very quick growing but the disadvantage then is in time you've got high maintenance because they, they don't stop growing just when they've covered your wall they keep going and going and going so you've got maintenance then to keep them in check, which is less so with the climbing hydrangea. I suppose the only downside, if you like, to the climbing hydrangea is that it is deciduous, so it will drop its leaves in the winter. So you see quite a lot of the wall again. You you could if you could, as I say, mix ivy with it. So you get some evergreen foliage, uh, and if you want less in terms of maintenance, go for a small-leafed ivy because the smaller-leafed ivies do tend to be slower growing. Which, as I say, might be a disadvantage at the start, but in the long term, I think you might thank me. Uh, because the big, leaf ones will really
2: just grow and grow and grow. And Vicky is in Blackpool. Vicky brought an apple tree a few months ago. Now, it kept it inside in a big pot, she did, but it seems to have died, so she put it outside and then it sprouted from the base. If the new growth is coming from the rootstock, will it ever be any good?
8: Well, OK, so with apple trees, uh, they're grafted onto the, what's called the rootstock, John Paul. So what that means is, if you if you take a seed out of your Pink Lady apple this evening uh, and you plant it in the ground, it's not going to give you a Pink Lady apple tree, okay? Uh, because they won't come true to types from seeds. So what what the, the growers do is, <clears throat> excuse me, you grow what are called rootstocks, which are are are, are apple varieties of apples which do come true to types from seeds, but they tend to be um, crab apples, okay? So the rootstock is what determines the vigor of the plant. So onto this rootstock you will graft your Pink Lady or your Granny Smith or your of your Bath or whatever variety of apple tree you want. So in other words, you're using the root of another tree to grow your variety, okay? Uh, but it's the root system which will determine the overall vigor of the plant. In other words, whether it's, it's going to be dwarf or semi-dwarf or, or large. Um, so what's happened here is from the root stock, it means the graft at this stage has, has failed, Right? Uh, so any growth coming from the rootstock it's not that it's going to be useless but it won't be the apple that you are waiting for it may be crab apple or maybe a different type of apple so uh, uh, hopefully that's a kind of long way of getting to a short answer for her
2: Okay hopefully that helps Vicky and Tim is in Hasik. he wants to know Peter recommendations for grass cuttings to use as mulch around flowers in the garden and Tim saw it on YouTube but is not sure if it is a good idea
8: yeah, Well it is <laughs> Real politicians answer. Uh, it, 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 particularly if you've got rabbits in the garden, it, it can be a very helpful way to get to help plants to get uh, established in a garden that's prone to rabbit damage. Because if you put lawn mowings around your plants, rabbits obviously, as we all know, they, they feed on grass, but they can't feed on uh, on mown grass because it's too thick and too heavy and it will chokes them. So they'll stay away from it. So from that point of view, if rabbits are a problem, it's good. But I only ever recommend that as a temporary solution. And the reason being, if you use those, if you put any depth of mowed grass, and you know this yourself, John Paul, if you see a, a heap of mowed grass, it's very, very heavy and dense. So that leads to anaerobic anaerobic conditions. So in other words, it doesn't break down and it doesn't compost down Uh, it quickly. It takes years and years. So in the meantime, you're left with this mess. So no, I wouldn't leave it mowing as a mulch around my plants long term. Or if I was, it would be very, very thin layer to allow them to break down. But I would, I wouldn't dump them. I would add lawn and the And sorry, the other thing I should say at that point is, if you leave the lawn around the 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 plants, there will be grass seeds in those lawn and they will come on. So you will end up having grass growing there as well, which can be, become more of a problem. Um, but I would lawn in the compost bin. I would mix them because they, they 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 will help when you're when you're composting waste. Garden waste. You want a good mix of what we call brown and green waste. A so good Um, nitrogen and carbon waste so you want a good mixture of all of this to give you a good open compost but just using grass ones on their own in a compost bin or as a mulch I wouldn't be a huge I wouldn't
2: recommend it more. Okay and Elizabeth wants to know Peter can I cut back uh, leptospermum, which is four foot high and very leggy You can't
8: beautiful tree the leptospermum, but it's um, it, it, there is a, a kind of caveat with that. So in other words, if you prune it too hard into brown wood, um, and if it's quite leggy, you'll know what I mean. That there'll be a lot of brown wood down the, uh, lower down on the plant. So if you prune into the brown wood, in my experience, that can often kill it. It won't come back from that. so You can prune it, but it is very important that you don't go too hard in it. That you need quite not just a bit, not just a leaf. but you need quite a bit of greenery below where you prune. So that might make it a very gradual process, John Paul. You might just be pruning it a few inches this year, but that will force it to green up a bit lower down and then you can go a few more inches. But it's gradual. If you do too much in, in one go, you could lose it.
2: And finally, because I know your, your phone line is kind of going there, Peter, and you're only available on phone today, so we'll, we'll go through the next few questions. They're, they're short enough. First of all, it's a question in from a listener who says, they have horsetail weeds. It's everywhere. How do I kill it?
8: Well, horsetail or Meister, which is equestitum, this is something we'll get through quickly, John Paul. It's been with us since the dinosaurs, so uh, I, kind of, I kind of chuckle to myself when I hear it, because I'm asked quite a lot, how do I kill it? You won't. You're going to have to learn to live with it. Okay. Uh, and I don't mean to be facetious, but it has been with us for millions of years. We're not going to be able to, to get rid of it. But it will. Be, it's very rich in silica, which I'm told is a very good hair tonic, not something I I've I use. Um, but uh, so there are many herbal uses for it. What I do find, it'll only kind of uh, colonise, Fallow ground, if you know, ground that is like gravel areas and things which aren't being worked. So, in, in soil that is being worked, it tends not to be a problem. And you can also put in other plants to bully it out, to so the stronger plants to push it off somewhere else. But it's, it's, it's going to be more of, um, of a live and let live attitude, where we're not going. You will only waste your time and money and, and do quite a bit of damage to the surrounding wildlife area by, by putting weak to this, on and it won't work in the first.
2: And finally, Peter, what is the best way to get rid of snails on my flowers? They're eating them and to get rid of those spits from the snails also.
8: There loads of different ways. The best way to direct you to, to my own Facebook page, John Paul, because I have a video up there from the weekend of, of organic and environmentally sound ways of dealing with and snail control. The one thing I'd say, because I know you're under pressure for time, uh, the one thing I would say is if you're using smoke pellets, do take that moment to check the label. And if the active ingredient is a thing called methaldehyde, well, please leave it behind you, because that's very toxic to slugs and snails, yes, but it's also toxic to surrounding wildlife, to predators to slugs and snails, which are birds and hedgehogs. And methaldehyde is also toxic to domestic pets and to us humans, so it should never be used around edible plants, okay? It's banned in many European countries, including the UK. Unfortunately, it's still available. So, containing methaldehyde, you can get pellets containing ferric
3: phosphate uh,
2: and I think that's where we're going to have to leave. Peter, the phone line has given up. But thank you, Peter. Uh, that is Peter Doddle, uh, the Gardener.com And I know there was someone looking to get in contact with Peter. If you go to his website, IrishGardener.com, or check him out on Facebook or indeed on Instagram, you can get and ask Peter questions there via Instagram, Facebook, or on his website. We'll chat to you again tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. with Cork today. We'll be discussing what the IFA are organising by way of protest for Friday. Discussing that and much more tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. Enjoy your. Wednesday, I'm John Paul McNamara. Flexibility is great.
7: That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans.